going to uh, step away from the book of Romans this morning. We're going to be in the book of Hebrews. You can turn there to Hebrews chapter 10. Uh, we're going to be looking at verses 1 to 25 this morning. Let's, let's pray together. Father, we come before you this morning, and Lord, we have this communion table that has been set up, Lord, as a, a table of remembrance, a time for us to be able to remember the great sacrifice uh, that you gave for us so that we might have forgiveness. Lord, that, Lord, you might give us that victory shout over sin and over death. And Lord, I pray this morning as we open up Your precious Word that You would speak, Lord, these truths into our heart once again. That we would be reminded of how great our salvation is. How secure it is. And Father, I pray that You'd pour out Your Spirit upon each and every one here today in a powerful way. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I titled this morning's message, The Better Sacrifice. We could actually probably give that title to the whole book of Hebrews uh, because that's really what it, it, it is bringing out in these, in these chapters. Looking back, and you can turn there to chapter 8, starting in verse 8. I believe that the Apostle Paul was probably the writer, though it doesn't say who the writer of Hebrews is, but I believe it was probably the Apostle Paul that wrote it. But we read in chapter 8, verse 8, it says, Because finding fault with them, he says, Behold, the days are coming, says the Lord, when I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. A new covenant. Not according to the covenant that I made with their fathers in the day when I took them by the hand and I led them out of the land of Egypt because they did not continue in my covenant. And I disregarded them, says the Lord. For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them on their hearts, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. None of them shall teach his neighbor and none of his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for all shall know me, from the least of them to the greatest of them, for I will be merciful to their unrighteousness and their sins and their lawless deeds, I will remember no more. In that, he says, a new covenant he has made, the first obsolete. Now what is becoming obsolete and growing old is ready to vanish away. We're going to be looking at that old covenant this morning, and then the new covenant that we have in Christ, which is represented even by this communion table that we have set before us this morning. Turn now to Hebrews chapter 10. This chapter is a, a contrast uh, between the law and what we call the better sacrifice. 
And that better sacrifice was Jesus Christ Himself. Look at what it says in verse 1. For the law, having a shadow of the good things to come, and not the very image of the things can never, uh, and not the very image of the things can never, with these same sacrifices which they offer continually, year by year, make those who approach, notice the word there, perfect. Every year, that high priest, there were many priests that worked under the high priest, but the high priest, who was the main priest, the one that would go one time of year, he would go into the temple. He would actually enter in through the temple doors and then he would make his way to the veil and he would offer on that altar of incense and he would prepare himself to go behind the veil where the Ark of the Covenant sat. The holy place. The holiest of holy. It's where the Shekinah glory of God dwelt in those days. It was only the high priest that had the right to be able to go behind that veil. But that high priest, when he went behind that veil, he had to go with blood. He had to have blood with him and he had to go behind because he was going to sprinkle that blood upon the mercy seat, those cherubims that were shaped, that were above the Ark of the Covenant. He would sprinkle the blood with, behind that veil upon the mercy seat for the sins of the people. He would do that one time a year. All of the people that would gather in Jerusalem there that would come for that annual feast, and they would come from all over. They would, uh, they would come there. They'd be waiting outside. Outside of the temple. There would be this sense of anticipation. There would be this, probably a little bit of fear. As they come with all of their sin, as they come with all of their shame and their guilt, and they stand there on the outside of the temple. And the high priest, he enters in. He goes into that temple and, and they're just waiting outside. And some of them hoping, will he come out? They knew the danger of that high priest going behind that veil and not being right in his own heart. And maybe he won't even come out, but they're hoping that he's going to come out and that it's going to be once again, every year, that time that their sins would be covered once again. It's called the Day of Atonement. All of their guilt, all of their shame, and all of their sin would be covered and only covered for another year. He would take that blood and he would put it on a goat. And that goat was called a scapegoat. And that goat would actually then by the people be chased up that dirt road out of that city. And all of the people would erupt into this cheer and this just praising God that once again... Their sins had been taken away. Look at verse 11 in our chapter. And every priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can, what? Never take away sins. Look at, look at that verse. Ministering daily. 
offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which can never take away sin. To me, that, that sounds exhausting. Year after year, and even the other priests performing sacrifices for the sins of the people during the year. Repeatedly, sacrifice after sacrifice. But this was all, according to verse 1, just a shadow of the good things to come. In Hebrews chapter 9, verse 1, you can turn there. We read in verse 1, Then indeed, even the first covenant had ordinances of divine service and the earthly sanctuary. That earthly temple, that earthly sanctuary, that first covenant, which was the old covenant, the Old Testament, the law. For a tabernacle was prepared the first, talking about the first temple, in which was the lampstand that stood within that temple, the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. All of these things that were designed by God and placed within the temple itself in that first temple under that old covenant. And behind the second veil, the part of the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of all, which had a golden censer and the Ark of the Covenant that was overlaid on all sides with gold, in which were the golden pot inside of that Ark of the Covenant, that golden pot that had the manna that was put into that ark. Aaron's rod was inside that budded. The tablets of the covenant, they were also inside of that ark of the covenant. And above it were the cherubims that I spoke of, of glory overshadowing the mercy seat. And of these things we cannot now speak in detail. Now when these things had been thus prepared... The priest always went into the first part of the tabernacle performing the services. But into the second part, the high priest went alone once a year, but not without blood, which he offered for himself and for the people's sins committed in ignorance. The Holy Spirit indicating this, that the way into the holiest of all was not yet made manifest while the first tabernacle was still standing. It was symbolic for the present time in which both gifts and sacrifices are offered, which cannot make him who performed the service perfect in regards to the conscience concerning only with foods and drinks and various washings and fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of Reformation. You see, these Old Testament saints, they lived under the law. They lived under these regulations. All of these things were orchestrated by God. It was a temporary, it was, an, it was a shadow of what was to come. And they lived under this. And it was very difficult to live under the law. He goes on to say, not with the blood of goats and calves, but with the blood, his own blood. 
Jesus Christ entered the most holy place once and for all. For us having obtained eternal redemption, for if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctifies for the peering of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit offered Himself without spot to God, cleanse your conscience from dead works to serve the living God? We're New Testament Christians. We're under the new covenant. Jesus Christ going behind the, Jesus Christ shedding his blood for our sin allows us to partake of this communion in a new way. The law was just that shadow of the good things to come. Yeah, the law wasn't the exact likeness of what we experience here. Nor was it the full revelation of the good things to come. You see, they only had this shadowing of what was to come. We see it in its completeness. We look back to the cross. They looked ahead for their redemption, but we look back to the finished work of Jesus Christ. We're privileged, in a sense, to see what we see to experience what we experience as New Covenant Christians. We don't have to exhaust ourselves. We don't have to go through all these rituals and and, and come under the bondage of the law. We've been set free from that. Paul wrote in Colossians 2.16, he says, So let no one judge you in food or in drink or regarding the festival or a new moon or Sabbath, and it says, which are a shadow of the things to come. But the substance is in Christ. You see, there's a lot of times Christians even today can find themselves falling back into legalism. Falling back and trying to get, getting really in a sense trapped back in that law of legalism. We've been set free, church. We don't no longer have to live under the dictates of the law to have right standing with God, to keep ourselves pure and to keep ourselves clean before the Lord. It's not through the keeping of the law, not eating certain foods and not you know, worshiping on certain days. Those are things that sometimes people find themselves still being trapped with. Matthew 5:17 says, do not think that I came to destroy the law or the prophets. I did not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus Christ was the fulfillment of the law. He fulfilled every bit of it. And we're free in that. We're free as Christians in that. Look back in our text at verse 2. For then would they not have ceased to be offered for the worshipers once purified, would have, would have had no more conscience of sin. In other words, if the law in this sacrificial system could have removed those old covenant people, the, uh, God's people would have removed their sin, uh, they would not have had to have a priest come year after year on that Day of Atonement to do it again year after year after year to make sacrifice 
for the sins of the people. Verse 3, but in those sacrifices, there is a reminder of sins every year. As the people traveled from all over the Mediterranean, made their way to Jerusalem for these feasts, they came knowing that as they arrived, they were dragging in a sense, and they had this bondage of sin and guilt and shame around their neck as they traveled there every year. And as that priest went in behind that veil, it was that reminder, he's going in there because of our sin. Jesus, on the night of His betrayal, He sat down at that Last Supper with His disciples and And during this time, after they had eaten this meal together, they'd already finished the meal. He'd eaten with them many times in the three years that he walked with them. But in this particular night, he took bread that night, and we're told that he gave thanks and he broke it. He just tore that that bread right in two, and he broke it in front of them. And then he began to hand it out to his disciples that were sitting there, at that table. And he gave it to them and he said, this is my body, which is given for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And likewise, he also took the cup that evening, saying, this is the cup of the new covenant in my blood. Uh, This was brand new wording. This is something that they were hearing for the first time. This cup is the new covenant in my blood, which is shed for you. We're privileged to live in this time of the new covenant. To be able to partake of this communion and to remember what Christ has done for us. And it's it's a finished work. It's all what He has done. It has nothing to do with what I can do for Him or what I'm obligated, but all that He has done for me. Verse 4, back in our text, says, For it is not possible that the blood of bulls and goats could take away sins. There's people that still try to do that today. They still try to use a sacrificial system to relieve their conscience, to remove their sin. They inflict pain upon their bodies. I've seen it firsthand. People whipping their backs with bamboo shoots for their sin and crawling on their knees until they're bloody. Because in in their own conscience, they're guilty and they're shamed. And they would do this once a year. People still try to get themselves right, not realizing there's a new covenant, there's a new way, there's a better way that they can get themselves right. The blood of bulls and goats, it it never could completely remove man's sin. It, It was just temporary. It was in place. It was that shadow of what was to come. 
We read in 1 Timothy 1.15, Paul actually tells us, he says, I'm going to tell you the mission of why Jesus Christ came. He says, this is a faithful saying and worthy of all acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners. That was His mission. It was His purpose in coming. It's why He came to this earth to save you and I from our sin. He was the better sacrifice. The new covenant. His blood that would be shed for the sins of the world. In verse 5, we come now to a therefore. Therefore, when He, that He I believe is Jesus, therefore when Jesus came into the world, He said, sacrifice and offering you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for Me. In burnt offerings and sacrifice, sacrifices for sin, you have no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come in the volume of the book it is written of me to do your will, O God. Before Jesus ever even entered into this world, before He was born of the Virgin Mary and came into this world, it was already predetermined. In the council of heaven with the Father, it was already predetermined that He was going to prepare a body for His Son, Jesus Christ, who was going to be birthed into this world to go to that cross for you and I. Predetermined. That sacrifice, that offering for man's sin. But a body you have prepared for Me. This sacrificial system for man's sin, it tells us that it brought no pleasure to God. In other words, it was insufficient. It wasn't what God's ultimate plan was going to be. It was only temporary. It was the Old Covenant, but it had to come by way of that Old Covenant first. So that when it came to the New Covenant, we'd all be sitting here going, I get it, I see. That was all a foreshadow of the good thing to come. When Jesus stood there in the Jordan River on the day of His baptism, and that voice that came down from heaven that said, this is My beloved Son whom I am well pleased You see, this was all predetermined. This was all unfolding before the world. Here's Jesus now at His baptism. Here's His voice from heaven. The Father saying, this is My Son in whom I am well pleased. Preparing Him. The body had been prepared and it was going to go to the cross. The better sacrifice. This is what pleased the Father. To send His Son to be the ultimate sacrifice for man's sin. It was at the cross that the Son of God hung there. And He bled. Blood was was shed there at the cross. He died. And He was buried. It's, It's the Gospel message. 
And as He hung there on that cross, and, and we, we know from Scripture that the Father had to literally turn His face away from the Son as all of our sin and the sins of the world were placed upon His only begotten Son. And this satisfied the Father. This satisfied the wrath of God against a world of sin. It it actually pleased the Father to bruise His Son. Isn't that incredible? You see, there's no... uh, That old system, it didn't satisfy God. It was only temporary. This is what satisfies God. The shed blood of Jesus Christ. His broken body for us. When Jesus was hanging on that cross, His final words as He was on that cross was, it is finished. Wow. There's so much in those three words. It is finished. It's done. It's a done deal. The better sacrifice has come. It's once and for all. Never to be done again. That's great news for us. I mean, that's incredible news. It is finished. Christ's death was going to fulfill the Father's will. It was actually prophesied in Psalm 40, verse 6, we read, sacrifice and offering to you did not desire. He says, my ears you have opened. Burnt offering and sin offering you did not require. Then I said, behold, I come and in the scroll of the book it is written of me. I delight to do Your will, O God, O my God, and Your law is within my heart. Prophesied of the coming Messiah who is going to be the Redeemer of Israel and the Redeemer of our own sins. When Jesus... In verse 8, let's look at verse 8. Previously saying, sacrifice and offering, burnt offerings and offerings for sin you do not desire nor have pleasure in them, which are offered according to the law. Then He said, Behold, I have come to do Your will, O God, to take away the first. Uh, That first is that old covenant the legal system of sacrifices, that He may establish the second, the new covenant, that Christ would redeem us by His own self-sacrifice. That's that's the good news of Jesus Christ. In In Matthew chapter 26, when Jesus went to the garden, He went willfully that night, he went into that garden and he, and he knelt down and he prayed this prayer three times. He says, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. And he told his disciples, Stay here and watch with me. And we're told that he went a little further and he fell on his face and he prayed. 
to his father saying, Oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Three times. Here's Jesus praying to his father. If if there's any other way that I could make a way for man to have forgiveness of sin, then let this cup pass from me. But not my will be done, but your will. Verse 10 in Hebrew says, By that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. And what does it say? Once and for all. That's the good news. Once and for all, by the will of the Father to send the Son to this earth, to send His Son to be the sacrifice for our sin. We have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ. That word sanctify means to be, to be set apart. Uh, we were once unholy and now He calls us the holy ones. Now He calls us saints. Now He calls us His children. That was all accomplished as He sanctified us. We're going to learn more about that as we're going through the book of Romans. In verse 11, it says, And every high priest stands ministering daily and offering repeatedly the same sacrifices which could never take away our sins. And this is even pointing just to when it says every priest stands. It's talking about all the sacrifices that would go on throughout the the entire year. As people would come and they would bring their sacrifice to one of the priests and he would offer it up. This was besides the Day of Atonement. He would stand ministering daily and offering repeatedly for the same, these same sacrifices year after year. In a sense, we could say that all of this was like putting a band-aid on the problem. It wasn't complete. It wasn't going to accomplish what the Father intended to accomplish. But then look at verse 12. But this man, is that capitalized in your Bibles? But this man, Jesus, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down at the right hand of God. And from that time, waiting till his enemies are made his footstool. It is finished. Were Jesus' words on the cross. One sacrifice for man's sin accomplished on that cross and that on that day. One sacrifice that for you and I, it's forever. It's not repeated year after year and sacrifice after sacrifice. It's one sacrifice forever. Never to be done again. And then... Satan and death. Uh, one day, all of those things that we even see that, that, that are in this world that hold people back, Satan and death, will one day be completely dealt with. 
It's going to be, it's all going to come full circles. And all of the enemies of God are going to be made his footstool. Here's God on his throne with that footstool. All of those enemies, death, sin, it's going to be made his footstool. Verse 14, for by one offering, he has perfected forever those who are being sanctified. But the Holy Spirit also witnesses to us, for after He had said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them. Then He adds, their sins and their lawless deeds I will remember no more. New Testament Christians, knowing that your sins have been forgiven, all of your past sin when you gave your life to Christ was forgiven. All of the sin and failure that you may commit today, and I'm sure we will, have been forgiven by the shed blood of Jesus Christ. All of your future sin that you have yet to commit falls under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. Your past sin, your present sin, your future sin, it all falls under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. If you admit your sin before God, then the Bible tells us that God will be faithful to forgive you of all of your sin and He will continue to cleanse you from all unrighteousness. One act of love on that cross, that better sacrifice, made it so that we could come under this new covenant blood right here at this table and partake of it knowing that He has finished the work. It's a done deal. That's what creates the rejoicing in our hearts. We have victory over sin, church. We have victory over death. He accomplished it all for us. We have eternity. It's going to go on for eternity. The new covenant. In verse 18, now where there is remission of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. The new covenant. Uh, we, don't, we don't have to uh, go and, and, and actually beg God to forgive. We just simply need to come before Him and admit our sin. Confess it. Uh, repent of it. Get it right. And He will continue to cleanse you from sin. He'll set us right again. How many of you have gotten off course? Gotten off the path? Transgressed the line? And come back to the Lord and say, God, would you forgive me? Experience the goodness of the Lord. And He brings you to that repentance once again. And you go before the Lord and He forgives you again. And where sin abounded, grace did much more abound. And you just, you just sit there and you bathe in that grace and that mercy of the Lord once again. There's forgiveness with the Lord. If anyone sits here today and is overwhelmed with any guilt and shame that they feel that they can't just lay it out before the Lord, then you're getting ripped off because He's made it available to you. We can get our hearts right. 
as believers. And we should. He's made it available to us. His blood continues to cleanse us from all sin. We're going to partake of the communion table this morning. And I'd like to have the ushers come forward. I'd like to have the worship team come up and they're going to lead us in some song. If you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I want to give you an opportunity before we partake of communion this morning. And and I'm speaking to everyone in here from the youth that we have in here to everyone else. If you do not, if you have never made a profession of faith, if you have never asked Jesus Christ to come into your heart, if you have never been born again, if you have never accepted Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, I'm, got, I'm putting it in as many terms as I can think of so that you understand that I need to come into a personal relationship with Jesus Christ to really be able to partake of this table this morning and to be able to say, you know what, that has real significance to me. I can partake of that. Uh, and I can do it boldly. And I, can, and I can do it without shame because, you know, He's done it for me. And if you're here this morning and you do not know Him as Lord and Savior, even if you have professed, maybe for a long time, that you know the Lord, you know God. I didn't ask if you know about God, if you know about Jesus Christ, but do you actually know Him? You know, I I know about Abraham Lincoln, but I don't know him personally. I just know about him. And there's a lot of people that know about God. They know about Jesus. They have all the facts between the ears, but they don't know him. And you see, we need to make sure in our hearts that we have entered in to a relationship with the living God. And, and that, we, that we personally know Him as Lord and Savior. And then everything that I shared with you this morning about that new covenant, it applies to you. If you don't know Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, you remain under that law. If you want to come under the new covenant, you have to give your life to Christ. If you're here this morning and... You need to recommit your life to Christ. Communion's a time for that also. To take a self-examination of yourself and your walk. And, and when those things pop into your mind that you know are things that you're doing that are unholy, things that you're doing that you know that God is not pleased with, uh, but they're at the top of your mind, that's the Holy Spirit speak into your heart. And those are the things that we need to get right. There's probably lots of things that we don't even acknowledge, Christians, that we do day in and day out, that we can't even think of all the sins that we've committed yesterday or a week ago. Those fall under the shed blood of Jesus Christ. But I'm I'm saying do some self-examination. And if your heart needs to be set right, then set it right. 
this morning. And there's no better time than when we're sitting here with communion, partaking of communion. God, search me and try me and see if there be any wicked way in me. And when you do that and you come before the Lord in that way, God just has open arms of grace that He grabs hold of you and says, you know what, you're going to leave today with a a weight lifted off of you and you're going to leave here in peace today. But if you remain in your seat and you remain steadfast in your pride that I'm all right and I'm good and I'll never be proud, this is just, no, God doesn't do it. God calls us to be holy. He calls us to follow with a whole heart. He wants all of us. And so if you're here, and even those that are serving communion, you might be walking with that communion cup and that bread to distribute it to the rest. But make sure in your hearts that you're right before the Lord. This is a time for our whole church. Not just for you that are sitting. This is a time for me to set our hearts before the Lord. This is an invitation to come to Christ. Whether you know Him or you don't know Him, it's an invitation. If you know Him and you're not right, it's an invitation to come. And so let's distribute the the elements. Let's hold it. We'll partake of them together. This is your time before the Lord. Back in our text, it says in verse 19, it starts with the word, therefore... It says, therefore, brethren, therefore, brothers and sisters, having boldness to enter into the holiest by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way which He consecrated for us through the veil, and then it tells us who the new covenant veil is, that is Jesus' flesh, having a high priest over the house of God. Jesus Christ, His flesh, that veil that was rent for us. He is now our High Priest. Jesus Christ is the High Priest in our life. It goes on to say, let us draw near, brothers and sisters, with a true heart and in full assurance of faith having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Also, let us hold fast, brothers and sisters, uh, hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering. For He who promised is faithful. And let us consider, brothers and sisters, one another, in order to stir up love and good works in our midst, not forsaking the assembly of ourselves together as the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Wow, there's an exhortation. Let us draw near. Let us hold fast. And let us consider one another. We have much to be thankful for. This is a a communion, sir. This is like a, a celebration time for us as the body of Christ. We're celebrating the new covenant, the shed blood of Jesus Christ. When that bread, you can go ahead and take, but when that bread was ripped in two, as the disciples sat there, it's probably the picture as 
quite a bit more than this little tiny cracker that we have in our hand. He took that bread and he literally ripped it in two. And he said, do this in remembrance of me, my broken body for you. They had no clue what he meant by that, but they would. It was just going to be that night that he was going to be arrested. And then he was going to go to the cross on our behalf. And so let's continue in worship and we'll partake of the cup uh, together. Let's sing, set your hearts before the Lord, worship him. The only one that could go behind that veil once a year was that high priest. And now we read, and we read this morning, Therefore, brethren, having boldness to enter the holiest, that's the holiest place where that ark was, we have the boldness to enter by the blood of Jesus Christ. Right here. We have boldness to enter in, to come face to face with the Lord because of His shed blood for us. What a, what a great new covenant that we have in Jesus Christ. Father, we do uh, thank You, Lord, that You've given us Your Word, Lord. You've, you've given us everything we need to understand what You have accomplished for us. And Father, I pray, Lord, that it would affect our life. It would affect our week. It would affect our witness. It would affect our holiness. And Lord, we just pray that you would fill us afresh with your Holy Spirit this morning. Empower us, Lord. We need your Spirit. We need your power. Lord, to live our walks, to be a witness for you. And I pray that you would just fill us with your joy. Go before us today. We thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. God bless you guys. We hope you have enjoyed today's study. For more information on teachings, events, worship times, and location, please visit our website, ccfwinstonsalem.com. From Pastor Greg and all of us at Calvary Chapel Fellowship, thank you for listening and being part of our study through God's Word.